0: This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully.
1: Well, good morning. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada. The gang is all here. Zacchino Week Scully, finally. First off, right off the top, thank you, gentlemen. Chaotic start to the season. I mean, like this is just crazy. I mean, uh, we haven't stopped. I'm tired already, and it's what is it, uh, February 21st, and I'm exhausted. <laughs> How you guys doing this morning? Bob, let's start with you. How was the weekend? Uh good. Very good. Um I hit some golf balls
2: into the net, so that was good. And uh Besides that, not much else going on. Pretty relaxing. Watched a little golf yesterday, and uh, that was fun. It was a it was an interesting day to be to be uh, watching on RIV.
1: Skulls, are you pounding it in the, uh, in the Sims? Like, uh, what what's the bench number? What's the what's the top speed number?
3: Yeah, you know, I I didn't get a chance to go to a sim over the weekend, but uh, more working on some swing changes, some body alterations, I guess, if you will, after my. My visit to the Swing Lab Performance Center and uh, really working on getting more flexible, trying to swing it more like DJ. Although I'm nowhere near that, but hopefully some bigger bombs come golf season uh, here in the
1: GTA. Okay, well, hold on, hold on. We can't just skip over this, can we, Bob? <laughs> no, trying I to mean swing it more like DJ.
2: I also want to find out when when he's going to start practicing his putting.
1: Yeah, you know what? I, I, it's, it,
3: a little shot wrong. there. Sorry, you're not wrong. I do have I have the putting mat here uh, at at Shea Scully, which I, I do spend probably I would say about ten minutes a week doing. Because I mean, you're you're hitting a six footer. It, it gets boring after five minutes. You got to make it some sort of a challenge. But uh, really working on trying to get my body moving in the right ways, which. Uh, We'll be having uh, Michelle from the Swing Lab uh, Therapy Center uh, on in a couple weeks to discuss how anyone listening can do the same thing, Uh, because when I went to this place, I learned that I have zero mobility in my spine, so trying to adjust that and learn to not only hit the ball with just my arms and my biceps would actually use my lower body and my back too, so uh, looking forward to to the upcoming season, looking forward to, uh, to you guys learning more about this too.
1: Well, all I know is this, Bob, if, if uh, Adam's got zero stability in his spine and they take a look at you and I, they're going to just take us behind the barn and shoot us <laughs> if he's got...
2: That's right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. And I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous if he's only been swinging it with his, ar- with his biceps and his arms. What's going to happen when he does unleash the Kraken there and the Kraken back? That's what, I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Uh, uh, Mr. Zucchino, you actually died three and a half years ago and forgot to lie <laughs> down. Can can you come this way? We'll just do that. we got a crazy busy show. I mean, there is so much to get into. We're going to take a deep dive into everything that has transpired in the last seven days in the Saudi Golf uh, League drama, and hopefully, hopefully, this is now dead in the water. We're gonna tell you why. We're gonna hear from some of the biggest names in the game and what they've had to say. And it was just Damos tumbling over and no surprise that Greg Norman choked again on a Sunday. He did it again this Sunday. And now you gotta wonder if Phil's just standing there out by himself, no bulletproof vest on, looking around, looking for some friends. We'll jump into this. We've got winners weird and what we're gonna talk a lot about Riviera and the 10th hole. And I mean, I had the pleasure of doing a lot of the coverage on the isolated feed for just 10 this week for PGA Tour Live. And I got to be honest with you guys. I could sit there all day and watch guys just come through 10 at Riviera. I mean, it might be the best hole on the PGA Tour. Now, that doesn't come without controversy. Some people can't stand it, especially as the edges have gotten sharp over the years, are still good shots being rewarded. I believe they are. I believe a lot of the modern-day players are just really upset at Riviera 10 because it's one of the few times on the PGA Tour where they got to play defense, they got to think angle, they got to play from the hole back to the tee, and the modern-day guys, as you guys know, as better as anybody, it's bomb and gouge. And you go bomb and gouge at 10, and you can make 7 and 8s, and you can look like a fool. So we'll talk about Riviera and other great short par 4s. Lots to get to, but let's kick it off with some news and some headlines
0: news and headlines are brought to you by sandbagger hard seltzer sandbagger everybody knows one
1: all right the big news guys obviously tiger woods uh kind of one-on-one with jim nance in the booth he was he was I guess kind of open for Tiger. I don't know. He also had the presser earlier in the week where he was with uh, Everly, who got the Charlie Sifford memorial exemption. And I kind of felt he was a little bit more guarded in the presser than he was with Jim. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. My first impression, and and I guess the best news, uh, is that he looked really happy to be there. And if you go back to maybe some of his other previous booth visits over the years when he was recuperating and people are like, oh, my God, is, you know, how much pain medi- medication is Tiger on and, and things like that. Um, this time I didn't feel like that. This time I felt like, hey, I'm happy to be here. And I had a big smile on his face. And he alluded that he would be in attendance at Augusta. To what capacity other than the Champions Dinner? We'll still guess. But, I mean, that was the vibe I got. What What did you get?
2: Yeah, I thought he looked, I mean, considering how he looked at that, sitting in the, at that tournament a year ago, where he was, we were kind of wondering what was going on, um, I think he was a little bit more open. I think he did basically put a damper on return to play anytime soon. I doubt very much, hearing what he said, that he would be teeing it up at Augusta National, other than perhaps the Par 3 contest. And I think he, in the press conference especially, he really stressed the fact that his recovery is taking a lot longer than he hoped, uh, that it is frustrating him to a certain extent, that, you know, he wants to, he's a big physio guy, and that um, I don't think he he's, feels like he's ready to compete yet. He's lots of good wedge shots and, chip and putting, but um, see, Adam, take note of that. He's doing a lot of chipping and putting. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and I think I, I think that when he does come back, he wants to be right all the way back. He doesn't want to come back too early, and so for that reason, my my sense was he was laying the groundwork for uh, not being at Augusta National this this year in terms of participating anyway.
1: And to really piggyback that thought, Bob, if I'm taking the positives out of this, I'm saying okay. He did suggest that he would play competitive golf somewhere on the PGA Tour this season. That was a positive. The other positive I, I got from Tiger is that he kind of was a little bit of a, a, a wink and smirk when we were talking about power and speed, that he believes he can get pop back in his back, that, that that's part of yes checkmark. But something the three of us have been talking about all along, he confirmed the hardest thing right now is walking a golf course five, six days in a row. Practice round, pro-am, four days of competition. And that seems to be the biggest hill to climb. Adam, did you get that same sense? Am Am I analyzing this accurately?
3: Yeah, totally. And the comment that Tiger made about he's able to walk a treadmill all day, I I thought that was pretty eye-opening to me that he's able to, you know, he's at least be able to walk, you know, in a straight line on a flat surface. But like you guys have mentioned countless times before, going to Augusta National, that's the most undulating and the golf course on the planet. So hitting a lot of shots above above the ball, above your feet, below your feet, etc. That would be certainly very challenging on Tiger. Obviously, a lot of us watching that PNC uh, Parent-Child Championship in December, you know, saw some of the ball speed that Tiger had. He had he had 174 miles per hour of ball speed with the driver at one point that Sunday final round, which was crazy to think where he was a year ago, almost to the day as we're recording this show. Um, so I, I'm I'm curious where Tiger does go go from here. He was pretty open and honest with uh, Jim Nance and Nick Faldo because. They were they were probably approaching him a, a little much there maybe and and uh, Tiger called Jim Nance Turbo at one point which was pretty funny trying to slow down Turbo a little bit there <laughs> with, with, the, with the comeback talk, but uh, it's it's great to see Tiger moving well and they, there was one guy on Twitter, uh, one reporter I believe for Golf Digest who. Um, saw Tiger walk up and down the hill during the, uh, during the trophy presentation and thought, hey, this is a guy maybe who could walk and play Augusta National in seven weeks. I believe it was Adam Schupack, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't think we'll be seeing Tiger there, perhaps at the Par 3 contest like you spoke about on SportsCenter last Wednesday, Bob. But for Tiger, I, I still think it's a step in, in, in the right direction uh, here for a guy who nearly lost his leg a year ago.
1: Yeah, you know, I was hopeful we might see him at the Players because he goes into the Hall of Fame that Wednesday night. and The Players is such an easy walk. Uh It's got practically one of the flattest golf courses on the PGA Tour, short by modern day standards. But I think that's likely out of the equation. But I'm going to go with the positives. He looks happy. He thinks the ball striking and the ball speed's there. Uh He thinks he's going to play competitively at some point this year um and it's just a matter of us being patient and you know what none of us are very good at that (laughs) but we're gonna have to do it all right on the other side we're gonna jump into the genesis invitational wire to wire joaquin neiman before we go to break uh bob oakland hills have you ever had an opportunity to be there like i know i obviously you've been there before i was only there once i can't remember what Ryder cup it was it was years ago uh early 2000s i I was on property for the Ryder cup the golf lost uh uh, oh, four Adam, thank you. So, oh, four I was there, but uh, Adam's now my memory now that I'm <laughs> approaching 50. So, Adam is now he just jumps in as my memory. Um, so yeah, so I was there in '04, and that's like I love those classic old clubhouses. That is a real shame. Uh, what transpired on, on the grounds this week?
2: Uh, I have been there, and uh, I've been to the I'm dating myself here, but I think I was at the US Open there in '96, I believe it was. Uh, might have been 95, one of those U.S. Opens. And I actually got to, I had a good friend who was a member there, and I went for a uh, extended uh, weekend, and we played. There's two courses there. So we played the south course, which is the tournament course. We played that twice and the north course once. And we had dinner one night in the clubhouse in uh, the men's grill room, and all I can remember was the amount of memorabilia in there, clubs that players had used. I mean, there's such a great history there. You know Gary Player winning the PGA Championship, hitting it over this big, um, this big uh, weeping willow tree onto a green that was a, a signature hole. I think it was 16. Dave Barr almost winning the U.S. Open there um, at one point. And there's there's a, a lots of pictures, lots of old golf clubs that they had taken from players. I mean the history at this golf course, and I do understand that some of it may have been saved. Um, by some fast thinking people, but uh, it is an absolute shame. The other part of it is that that clubhouse was just rebuilt about maybe three years ago. So it, uh, it's a big, big loss for the membership there and for, uh, for golf as a whole.
1: Very sad. I'm uh, thankful that nobody was hurt. Amazing that nobody was injured. So that's the positive. Uh, But unfortunately, when you're talking about that type of history, memorabilia, etc., I mean, it's just you can't replace it. Hopefully they saved enough. Okay, we're going to go to break because on the other side, I mean, wow, is there a lot to chew on here. Joaquin Neiman, wire to wire, Morikawa with a push on Sunday. What a story with Cameron Young. He almost walked away from the game. The Genesis Invitational, what a way to put a exclamation point on the West Coast Swing. Love that West Coast Swing. Now we'll head east to the Florida Swing. We'll talk Genesis on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade this segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable qualified caddies to any round visit CaddyTime.com download the app or talk to your PGA professional today
1: and welcome back to Golf Talk Canada totally forgot new sponsor Caddy Time Just been working too hard, I totally... We're going to get into caddy time in about a month's time. We'll have uh, uh, a few of the the principals on Golf Talk Canada as they start their launch. Uh, Very cool concept. Love to get people walking. Anything that gets people walking in the game of golf and gives uh, uh, kids or new pros an opportunity to uh, make some money and get more engaged with the game, uh, always a good product. So we'll get into that and uh, more to come. Okay. Genesis Invitational, Joaquin Neiman, a two-shot win over Colin Murakawa and Cameron Young. Let's obviously start with Neiman. Uh, it is his second career PGA Tour victory, but obviously the biggest win of, of his career. This is a signature event, uh, Tigers event. It's an Invitational. The history of the LA Open, uh, Ben Hogan, Hogan's Alley, etc., has hosted major championship. Um, This is a big one, and to do it wire-to-wire and become the first player to do it since Charlie Sifford in the 60s, very impressive. He he almost broke the all-time scoring record. The even par on Sunday is not going to do it. Uh, Before we uh, chew on this a little deeper, let's hear uh, from our champion, uh, Joaquin Neiman.
2: Yeah, obviously, he's the toughest tournament, I think, during the year. He got the best field, the best players are here. And that... Proves myself that I, you know, that I can be competing with the top guys. Be, I can be up there on the on the on the world ranking, and yeah, I think it's gonna give me a lot of confidence for what is what is coming next. And I think at the beginning of the year, I just start playing great golf and at Torrey, and yeah, I mean, coming this week, I, I was feeling really confident about my game, and and it, I was able to handle during the the week.
1: I think he said it all right there in terms of confidence and what this could do for him. Bob, winning wire-to-wire on the PGA Tour is almost impossible. In fact, take a look at 36-hole leads this year, crumbling at 36, at 54. I mean, you got to go back to Cameron Smith at the Century Tournament of Champions to just find a 36-hole leader that won. this says a lot. To do it on this golf course says a lot. And i got two words for you. Incidents.
2: I think I think that uh, that what he showed here is what we've expected from Joaquin Neiman for quite a while. I mean, he's had a really good amateur career. He was the one, number one ranked amateur in the world, won the Latino America amateur, played in the Masters with that. Um, he, I don't know, like I, I've always expected him to do more, and maybe now we're starting to see him get a little bit more comfortable. He came into, he uh, had a scholarship to the, to uh University of South Florida, but he couldn't take it because he couldn't speak English well enough. He took a test for that. Um, and so you heard in that interview there how far he's come off the golf course as well. So I think there's a maturity on the golf course and a little bit off the golf course. He's still a pretty young guy. so. Um, but But that first 36 holes... gave him a a pretty good uh, amount of leash that he didn't have to work too hard on the weekend, thank goodness, although it got a little close up to one shot there on the front side before Cameron Young had that triple, but I, I thought it was a very impressive performance from a guy that I, as you said, Mark, expect to see a little bit more of.
1: And Adam, to Bob's point, he said, oh, I got a little closer on the weekend. The first 36 were impressive, but I mean, it's hard to play with the lead on the PGA Tour, guys. We watched, we watched some of the best in the world just gag at home with four- and five-shot leads. Man, DJ, uh, a year or so ago, blew a six-shot over on the other side of the world. And this was a, a real gut check, especially on Sunday. It was getting close for a while. He brought it home, Adam. And what about that squat move? I mean, you're, you're taking a deep dive now on biomechanics and things like that. I mean, this is the best players in the world using the ground in their golf swing.
3: Yeah, certainly using the ground. And there are actually some great videos on social media of some of the workouts Joaquin Neiman does do with sort of holding a medicine ball sort of thing and how he really does dip because you'd think your spine would be in absolute agony after doing that. But this is a guy who has, what, like a size 26 waist and he just sort of, you know, hits it as hard as he does and as accurate as he does. But for him... 115th in strokes gained putting this season on the PGA Tour. Last week he was first, so he, he was rolling the rock really well. And you mentioned those first two rounds, and that was basically, you know, Joel Damon had the comment after Friday's second round saying he didn't think he could scramble it around uh, in, in 16 under par through two rounds. It was as if he was playing a different golf course. It was so much fun to watch him uh, come down the stretch. And even even after Cameron Young did hole out on that 15th hole, uh, to make it interesting, Joaquin Neiman misses a 4- or 5-footer lip out there for, for par. But he, he came back strong down the stretch. And how about that tee shot he hit on 18? 69 feet in the air. this Almost like a stinger driver. Kept it really low, and the ball rolled out forever. It was an unbelievable performance for Neiman. And watch out for that International President's Cup team. We've seen Cameron Smith. We've seen Joaquin Neiman. This team is going to be fun to watch come September.
1: And it speaks to how popular this victory is as well with the amount of players that stayed back to celebrate with Joaquin, wait for him behind the 18th green to bring him in. It was It's a feel-good win. He's a likable guy. To both your points, he's a super young guy, and uh, the future is bright. Hardest golf course on the PGA Tour, inside 10 feet to make putts, guys. This greens, we're talking POA, we're talking crisp, sharp lines with subtle breaks, and to your point... Goes to first in strokes game putting this week. What a performance. Okay, there are some other stories here. Obviously, Cameron Young is a really great story. Almost walked away from the game, was fumbling and bumbling in mini tours, Monday qualifiers, finds his way to the Corn Ferry Tour, gets his PGA Tour card. Uh, through the Corn ferry success, and, and now here on a really big stage with no experience around this golf course, really, it, it, not in comparison to some of the players in this field, certainly, uh, really performs well under... Uh, but Colin Morikawa, who, it just, I don't know, it, it took him a few days to get his legs, but you know, almost takes over number one in the world. Bob, for, I mean, it feels like for the last three, four months, we've been saying... Um, Okay, with the win this week, or with this type of mathematical outcome this week, Colin Morikawa can take over number one in the world. He almost did it again here, and I have no doubt in my mind, Bob, knowing what we know about Riviera. uh, This is a ball strikers paradise. Guys who can hit their irons to the proper shelf underneath the hole will do well here. Guys who can work the ball who can do well here. I mean, if Morikawa doesn't win at least two Genesis Invitationals in the next fifteen years. Uh, by the time his career is, you know, uh, it could be longer twenty twenty five years. I mean, I would be absolutely shocked. No.
2: Yeah, and and you know, it is a it is or it does seem to be a, a a course for this horse for sure. Whether you have a great ball striker like Colin Murakawa on a traditional old school kind of golf course that Riviera is, but if you look at his year so far and it's even some of the of last year. I mean the guy has played well on just about every kind of golf course, right? Don't forget he won the one uh he's won so many, on so many different courses, but if you look at where uh second at the CJ Cup at the Summit, that was not really a lot like the <laughs> like Riv- Riviera Zozo Championship 7th, uh Century tied for 5th. So, you know, he gets it done on a lot of golf courses and I think that's what you see from people who get to number 1 in the world. Um that to me is where where his strength is, we we sort of focus on him being a classic style of of player, uh, but he makes it work everywhere, every style of golf course, every type of conditions.
1: Well, to your point then, Bob, you know, the best iron players in the world typically do win everywhere, right? Tiger Woods was the greatest iron player in the world. He won everywhere. Ben Hogan was the greatest iron player in the world. He won everywhere. Uh Adam, how did Tiger not win here then? Like, is that not the most dumbfound? Like, he is a Southern California guy. He loves POA. He's the greatest iron player maybe in the history of the game, Tiger Woods. Never won at Riviera. How does that make any sense?
3: well it's puzzling you know tiger actually addressed that with nance and faldo on saturday's third round and he said he always had issues reading the greens at the genesis invitational and this is one of those things even you know 2020 i believe he was last or second last in the field after making the cut uh, just sort of it's it's puzzling to see how he didn't win at this place especially where iron play is at such a premium and you know talking about morikawa too he was only 26 in the field and strokes gained approach to green, but on the greens, he gained nearly seven shots on the field putting. He was third in the field in strokes gained putting. This is a guy who obviously went for the grip adjustment, more of a saw or a claw, whatever you want to call it, won the Open Championship last year. If he can marry the strokes gained approach and strokes gained putting together, look out come Augusta in the major championship season. This guy could go on an absolute heater.
1: Well, just a reminder, gentlemen, just a reminder that when we were picking who was going to win a career Grand Slam in 2022, I went with the guy with two majors, not three, because I think he wins at Gustav. Calling him to win the Masters now for about six months, and then it would. That, then he puts him at three, and he has three majors to go, and likely will be the number one player in the world. So we will see. Adam Scott, another great performance at Riviera. He loves the golf course. Officially a one-time champion, won it back in uh, five but it wasn't official. They didn't get enough holes in. But uh, he just dominates that golf course. Victor Hovland, uh, coming off a rare miscut, Hovland. I mean, Hovland's just a cup machine. Uh, immediately back in contention, another top five for Hovland. And uh, good to see Justin Thomas, guys. Uh, again, still waiting for Justin Thomas to put four days together. And the other name I think that comes out of here with some momentum, uh, a bit of a weird week for Rory, but a top 10 for Rory, looking really good at times. And look at Rory's putting stats this week inside 10 feet. That's a real uh, clue. He still needs to clean up those wedges, man. I was watching some of those wedges. I'm going, Rory, 110 yards, and you've got 35 feet left uh, after a wedge or you miss a green. Still worried about the wedges, but the putter looks super comfortable. Rory McIlroy. Okay, we're going to take a break because on the other side the biggest story in the world of golf is the Saudi Golf League and potentially the death of the Saudi Golf League before it ever gets off the ground. So much transpired in the last seven days. So many big names uh, finally uh, putting their position out publicly on where they are on this. Can you launch a golf league that anybody will care about With a couple of uh, old guys on the downside of their career, I say no. We'll talk about it next. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit CaddyTime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories.
1: Hey, welcome back to Golf Talk Canada's Aquino Weeks, Scully, the gang is all here. If you've been following any of the golf news in the world of golf, you know that the biggest story out there looming, the large elephant in the PGA Tour room was uh the liv the live saudi golf league uh headed up by greg norman who's had a bone in his pocket against the tour since the early 90s uh i don't know where the chip on his shoulder comes from but he's always been there with it and decided to get in bed 500 billion dollars of blood money to go after the pga tour and and was wrangling the troops and then of course the article came out uh, from uh, Alan Shupnick that uh, with which was an interview back in November with Phil Mickelson and Mickelson was basically suggesting in that article that he was willing to sell his soul to the devil for a one-time opportunity to reimagine the PGA Tour using really a bunch of false figures and false money that no one has ever heard of before when talking about digital rights and trying to do something that no professional sports league in the world has ever done. And then, of course, the spotlight turned to the other large players in the world that were potentially associated with this league. What did Phil and Greg Norman know that the rest of us did not know? Then a leak came out that there was going to be a large announcement during the Players' Championship Week on who the 20 players involved were going to be. Talk about a spit in the PGA Tour's face. Well, at this point, I think a lot of people were worried. A, little, a lot of people were concerned. And then, in the last 72 hours, the dominoes have fallen. Mickelson has sold his soul for nothing. Norman fails again on a weekend, and they are looking around and they have no allies other than a bunch of washed up players. We're going to hear now from Rory McElroy, the conscious of the PGA Tour, after Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau came out and committed to the PGA Tour and suggested as long as the best players in the world are playing the PGA Tour, that's where they'll be playing. Full period, stop, let's hear from Rory McIlroy.
4: I'm always very confident that the tour is headed in the right direction, so um, I was really glad to see DJ and, and Bryson put out those statements this week. Um, like, we, we all want to play against the best players in the world, and they're certainly two of the best players in the world, and it's it's nice to know that um, they're committed to playing here and, and committed to, to making this the, the best tour in the world.
1: And Rory and Tiger were two of the obviously largest names in the game that immediately came out and talked against this months ago. Uh, and of course, Rory had some additional comments suggesting he doesn't want to kill Phil Mickelson, excuse me, kick Phil Mickelson when he's down. However, he found his comments ignorant, selfish, yada, yada, yada. I'm paraphrasing. That came out. Uh, After that, Uh, before we chew on this, guys, let's also hear from Colin Murakawa, uh, who spoke earlier this week in his press conference and was asked about his position.
4: I'm all for the PGA Tour. You know, look, I've done this. I've I've been a pro for two and a half years. My entire life, I've thought about the PGA Tour. I've thought about playing against Tiger, beating his records, whatever. You know, some that might not even be breakable. Um, But I've never had another thought of what's what's out there. Right. I've never thought about anything else. Like it's always been the PGA Tour, and and has it opened up things for, for us as professional golfers to open up you know things for the PGA Tour to look at what to do better? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen a lot of changes—some good, some bad, some that are still going to be amended, I'm sure, as time goes on. But um, right now, I mean, you look at the best players, you know, that I see, and they're all sticking with the PGA Tour, and that's where I I kind of stay, and that's where I belong.
1: All right, Bob, is this dead? Is it over before it even starts? Can you launch anything that anybody cares about with a bunch of old guys on the, I'm not even going call it the back nine of the career. They're playing Twilight Extra Holes for 20 bucks, uh, And I guess, how does Phil Mickelson feel this morning?
2: Well, I think there's still a ton of questions that we don't know about. Um, first of all, we don't know who has signed, who isn't signed. We know the people that we have associated with and um we don't even know if Phil is signed. Don't forget Phil is a very smart guy who might be using this to try and drive his his other agenda, which is this the digital rights, um, and try and stick it into the PGA tour. He's certainly done it in an awkward way. But I think until we kind of know exactly who the players are, and you're right in in suggesting that the the ones that we have Tied to it or think they are, there are over the hill guys. It's, uh, as Rory called it this week, the pre champions tour. And I think, though, that there is still uh, the other question that I have interesting is what made Bryson and DJ come out this week at the same time? And if they were going to commit themselves to the Saudi League, why did they suddenly switch over? I mean, there's sort of thoughts that there's something else going on behind the back of the scenes here by the PGA Tour. They're fighting, obviously, for their uh, property as well. So, you know, what we we think we know on the top line is exactly what you said, a tour that probably can't sustain itself with those names that we think are out there. I'm interested to see what's going on behind and underneath the scenes, and I don't think that's going to come out for a while one way or the other.
1: Well, I think there's a couple of things going on here, and and I'm just... I'm just kind of speculating right now on stuff I've heard, hanging around, piecing stuff together, but there's a few things. There's a PR nightmare, and yes, you're going to sell your soul, yes. but the soul also comes with money attached to it the other way. Sponsors are going to bail on you. In in this PR nightmare, there are going to be a lot of golf brands that a lot of these big names are associated with and other brands that they represent, banks, financial companies, etc., that don't want anything to do with this. I think there's going to be financial ramification for anybody that chooses to do And they hope that that huge money coming from Saudi uh, golf is going to offset the loss. We'll see. That's a math question. Morally... There's another question going on here, and maybe that's part of it. I've also heard, and we've heard rumors of this, Bob and Adam, for the last couple of uh, months. They are working on a PGA Tour version post FedEx Cup Golf League, where it is a team concept they will play. It is bonus cash for the top 20, 30 in the world. Put them in a team environment and do this series that would replace what we now see as the fall series. They would allow other golf tournaments to operate in there. They would not be part of the FedEx Cup, and we would put a line through what we now know as the wraparound schedule. Lots to still determined, but to Bob's point, there is so much going on behind the background. Adam. Okay, let's just spit it out. These are the names that were still attached to us. We're talking about Lee Westwood. We're talking about Ian Poulter. We're talking about potentially Justin Rose, Adam Scott. So it's not like these are not household names. People know But, I mean, let's be honest, we're trying to go toe-to-toe with the best golf league in the world. If if I'm Dwayne The Rock Johnson and I'm starting a football league, I ain't going toe-to-toe with the NFL. And if I am going toe-to-toe with the NFL, I ain't having Doug Flutie as my marquee guy in 2022, maybe in 1999. But that's what this feels like right now.
3: You know, it it totally does, and you wonder, like Bobby mentioned, you wonder what change or what what happened with Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson to put out these states- statements. DeChambeau, in particular, was one of the guys who it was reported on the No Laying Up podcast that Bryson DeChambeau was telling PGA Tour players he was done with the tour, full stop. He was he was going to play uh, in so- in the Saudi Golf League. I'm really curious where this does go uh, as we move forward. Jason Kokrak had some tom- some comments to Golf Digest basically saying he wants to retire by the time he's 44 so he can watch his kids grow up and basically implying that he wants to go get a bunch of money and, and play golf and doesn't really care that much about his PGA Tour legacy. Um, but Rory McIlroy, as he always is, he's one of the best interviews in the game of golf. He's an honest guy. He's on the PGA Tour board. Uh, he went on to say later in that press conference as well that if the Saudi Golf League doesn't have Tiger, there really isn't anything. Tiger has his, his stake in the ground here at the PGA Tour. He's obviously dedicated to the PGA Tour. And if the Saudi Golf League has only these guys who are, you know, like you mentioned, well into the back nines of their career, they don't really have anything. Like, Who really wants to watch some of these rumored names who are 47-plus go and play in a quote-unquote pre-champions uh, tour? I sure don't.
1: Uh, Really quickly, just yes, no, because we need to get to some more audio here. Adam and Bob, to both of you, we'll start with you, Adam. Do you think potentially behind the scenes, the PGA Tour rallied Augusta, RNA, USGA, and maybe the majors were about to say something like, you can't play here either, and that would affect decisions? Yes or no, Adam? Probably. (laughs) Bob, you think Uh, some of that's going on?
2: It could very well be the reason why they came out that way. Well, it, as I say, I think the next few weeks is going to Speculation. be really
1: interesting. All right, let's hear from Adam Scott, because Adam Scott, one of the names still being floated in this potential golf league. Let's hear what he had to say this week.
4: I think the schedule they're proposing is very appealing to probably most golfers, I would think, um... You know, depending what your what your goals are in golf, I think the schedule is very appealing. So from that side of things, I would consider doing that for sure. From a lifestyle side of things, yes. Have you had any discussions with them at all? Yes. Yeah. But like everyone else, we're sworn to secrecy.
1: Well, you know, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I'd sell my soul for just, you know, a few extra hours a week. Okay, let's hear Rory McElroy. This was the uh, comments that I alluded to earlier, based on uh, the Phil Mickelson article and Rory's reaction uh, to Phil's comments and and Phil's position so far.
4: I don't want to kick someone while he's he's down, obviously, but I thought they were naive, selfish, uh, egotistical, uh, ignorant. Um, A lot of words to describe that uh, interaction he had with Shipnuck. It was uh, just very surprising and uh, disappointing, sad. And I'm sure he's sitting at home sort of rethinking his position and and where he goes from here.
1: And I'd just like to run that on a two-hour loop in a Golf Talk Canada (laughs) special, but we can't do that, so let's hear from Justin Thomas.
4: He's done a lot of great things for the PGA Tour. It's a big reason it is where it is. But you know him and others that are very adamant on that. If they're that passionate about it, go ahead. I don't think anybody's stopping them. Do you feel like it's getting to a point where it's almost like either do it or don't? I, I'm way past that. I've I've heard way too much talk about a lot of players that are so done with everything, but they keep hanging around. So clearly, they're not too done.
1: And finally, Pat Perez. Uh, Pat Perez, never short of an opinion or shy of a microphone, which is uh, part of the reason he's, he's a fun guy to get uh, a word from. Let's hear from a PGA Tour veteran, Pat Perez. You know, I asked a question this morning to another player. Why didn't he play Phoenix and why is he not playing here? He's never missed these. You know, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't play. I, I don't know. I don't know what Phil's doing. I know Phil's got a lot of stress in life right now. And... You know, I I don't know what he's doing. You know, I know he's not speaking for me, and you know, I I actually really don't care really what he has to say about anything because I I just don't. Because he doesn't speak for me, and you know, he's had he's had an amazing career. He obviously thinks that there's something else on the other other side for him going down the line. And if he you know if he gets it great, I mean, he's he's made you know eight hundred million dollars in the tour. I don't know what could be so bad about the tour. Very interesting there, comments, and, and he raises a great question. Where will we see Phil Mickelson next? Because these are events he would normally be at. We've got a Players' Championship in March. Does he have the gall to show up there? And obviously, he is a champion, a multiple champion at Augusta. What does he do at the Masters? Okay, guys, before we go to break, two questions for both of you. Start with you, Bob. Same, Adam. Coming to you, Adam, for the same. Bob, does this league get off the ground? In your opinion, yes or no? And part two, do we still get the scheduled announcement that we were anticipating Players Week, or do you think that announcement gets buried or pushed back?
2: Uh, first answer, I think yes. Second answer, I don't know when that schedule will come out yet. I really, I mean, you know, there was a rumor of six tournaments that they were going to play. That came. That was on, the, on a No Laying Up podcast, and so I don't know where... I don't know where it stands right now, but I would be very surprised if there is anything before the Masters in terms of a schedule.
1: All right, Adam, uh, does this get off the ground or is it dead? And second part, do we still get the scheduled announcement players week, the salt in the wound presser or release?
3: Well, I'm curious to see if Going forward, here more players come out and give these you know statements through their PR team saying you know I'm committed to the PGA Tour. I I think it'll try to get off and running, and will in in some capacity will it go well? No, but I think they'll try to get off and running. As for the Players Championship, I think that would just like the timing of that would just be brutal. Sort of, it's the PGA Tour's flagship event. All the best players in the world are generally at the Players Championship. I I think that announcement will be delayed, but. I'm sort of curious to see if it does get off the ground, what it does look like, even if the players are all 47 plus and well past their primes and their in their careers. But for Phil Mickelson, the next time we see him play, what's the atmosphere going to be like in the crowd?
1: Is he going to be booed for the first time in his career? I don't know. Yeah, yep. big, big possibility for that. I've always been a very big Phil Mickelson fan. And uh, I have uh, really, really lost a lot of respect uh, for him and his legacy and, and some of his choices uh, in the last several months. So we will see. Okay, on the other side, we're going to put a bow on this. And, guys, I hope they come out with announcement Players Week. I really do. Because that announcement is going to be weak, and it's going to be a pathetic announcement. And I hope they try to do it Players Week, because they're just going to get buried. On the other side, we'll wrap one, we'll preview two. This. Is Golf Talk Canada?
0: This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Speaking of Myrtle Beach, Canadians are flocking once again now uh, with recent announcements and things getting a little easier. And there's going to be a Can-Am Cup announcement coming up in the next month or so. So looking forward to that. Don't forget, we are in full flight. The Golf Talk Canada team, full flight as we return to television 1 p.m. this Wednesday on TSN One. We're going to have a tailor made product special. Uh, Bob and Adam and I, we got down to Carlsbad, California in early December. Uh, a few months ago and uh, got to speak to the entire team, took a look at all the new product before the big announcements and uh, really took a really cool deep dive. And uh, in fact, we're going to run an interview that I did with uh, Tomo Bystat on the stealth driver, the new stealth driver. And we're going to run that, the visuals on that uh, as well uh, this Wednesday on that special. Uh, that Adam has been putting together over the last few weeks and Adam's actually going to host that this Wednesday, but uh, we, we had such a good time doing that. We uh, love being a part of Team TaylorMade. Super excited about that. And speaking of that, there's also going to be uh, 20 weeks of TaylorMade announcements coming as well. Uh, that will uh, probably come in the next ooh, two, three weeks, and it will all be around Master's Week as usual as we will give away uh, 20000 uh in tailor-made products for 20 weeks of the summer, 20 weeks tailor-made, some limited edition stuff that you really can't get too easily anywhere else, commemorative staff bags, of course, uh, grand prize, custom fitting, uh, get treated like DJ for the day, top to bottom, all the gear you want, Irons, wedges, putter, woods, all custom fit from our friends at TaylorMade. Uh, Coming up in hour two, I mean, I had such a blast uh, covering that 10th hole this week. I mean, I I was working with Will McKenzie, who was my analyst for the week. Will, two-time winner on the PGA Tour and we just had a, a great time. We were, we were working main feed, and we were working 10th hole. But I said, I'm, I could literally sit here all day and just watch the 10th hole. In fact, I would love a made-for-TV event where we just did a tournament on the 10th hole. Just mm-hmm. keep the guys going through the 10th. We're going to talk 10 at Riviera and also some of the great par, short par 4s in the world of golf. And I think 10 is right on the top of that list. We'll do it in an hour two. Winners, weird and what, get you caught up on leaderboards. All coming up next, this is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC, presented by TaylorMade, was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully.
1: Welcome back. Golf Talk Canada, gang, is all here. Hour 2... All right. First off, I'm just going to kick this off by saying, I think the 10th hole at Riviera might be my favorite hole on the PGA tour. Not just my favorite short par four. It just might be my favorite hole on the PGA tour. Just the amount of thinking and confusion. But I said something this week. I said, you know, we're just, the tour's just west of Hollywood. And if you did a feature film on the 10th hole, a Hollywood blockbuster, the title would be Confusion. Because that's what the look is on players' face when they walk off a 300-yard hole where they could have made two and they instead they got six. And it's just so much fun. Now, I looked at this, guys, from the perspective of uh, best short par fours in golf from a, a, from a professional golf standpoint. Because, you know, we've all played a lot of great short par fours around the world that you know, cameras never see, that. never been part of major championships, et cetera, like that. So I looked at it more from a world of golf perspective of where the players play. Uh, tenth is my favorite. Bob, what else comes to mind? And uh, are you on the boat with me? Like, do you love 10 the way I like it? Because there are, it's not a ton, but there are a, a percent of people that think the hole has gone too far, that because we're now talking about 12, 13 stint meter, some of the square footage of the green is kind of, I don't want to say eroded, but the the, the edges have gotten sharper over the years. The good shots are no longer being rewarded. I'm not there, but some people are. So where are you on this, and what other great holes come to mind?
2: Uh, You know, I'm thinking that it is a hole that's become better as time has gone on. So if you had a 315-yard hole when this golf course was first built, there probably weren't a lot of people thinking about driving it. Now you can drive it and i think any time you see a pga tour pro standing on the tee questioning what to do thinking about what the options are uh not just roar back and let it rip then i think you've got yourself probably a pretty good hole i don't know i don't know you know what the best way to play it is and i'm not sure if there is it might depend on what your game is but obviously the further right you go the tougher it becomes the better your wedge shot has to be and it's uh to me it's one of those mo- it's one of the most intriguing holes also because it's on, it's really, it's not like a a, a gorgeous hole. Like it, the land it's on is pretty mundane. It's pretty pretty sort of basic there. It's, it's not something that you stand up on the tee and you go, wow, look how beautiful this is. But um, in terms of something that compares to it, I really can't think of anything off the top of my head on the PGA Tour. Uh, there are lots of drivable par fours out there. In fact, pretty much every tournament has one or they move the tees up to allow them to drive it. But I don't think I've found, I I can't think of anything that puts as much uh, question into a golf swing and a golf choice as this one.
1: I agree with you, and there are some good ones. In fact, we saw one back at Phoenix. 17 has become a great drivable uh, par four because, you know, there is uh, elements of changing the end of a golf tournament, and it was built that way, to your point, Bob. They're not converting it to a short par four, which we're seeing a lot of now in the modern-day setup. So I agree with you a 1,000%. You know, Tiger Woods would talk about maybe, I think it's 10 at the Belfry uh, during Ryder Cup uh, as one of his favorite. Uh, but I'm with you a 1,000%. I think this is standalone, and when you consider the, the, the plot of land, There's not a penalty area in sight. There's not a water feature in sight. This is 300 yards of turf and sand. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. Adam, what do you think? And like, do you think it is cross? Again, there were were some people this year that said cross the line. Now, I'll give you a stat. We had almost 100% of the field go for this green this week, 97% and change. When at this green, that's the highest total we've seen since two thousand and three, and I believe when the final numbers come out, which I didn't look at last night, but I bet if I looked at them this morning, this is likely the highest total ever. Um, You know, it was hovering around eighty percent really for the last decade. There were twenty percent of the field that would lay up. Now there's nobody laying up at this green, and I think part of the reason there is they've come to the conclusion that, I mean, that seventy-six yard wedge shot is almost impossible, uh, to certainly to anything beyond that mound in that back right corner. You just you just can't trust that wedge game. And the greens were like concrete this week. So, it, again, it dialed it up once again. No wind, which is hilarious, too, because <laughs> you throw some wind on this, right? But I love it, Adam. Where are you at on this? And is there anything close on the PGA Tour? Yeah, so you mentioned the guys going
3: for the green, and that's where I was going for uh, with my point. So Justin Thomas was one of the only players who laid up all four days, thought about it for the strength of his game. He trusts his wedge game, especially you know that back right pin or anywhere on the back of that green. If you miss your spot by a yard, a foot, you're probably going to be chipping your next shot potentially in a plug lie from an uncomfortable spot in the bunker you mentioned wind as well not much wind this past week at riviera we've seen in years past last year the year before some really crazy wind conditions guys putting it off the green especially to that back pin where maybe you thought this is sort of teetering over the edge but this is just such a great risk reward shot a a lot of guys now if, if the temperature is you know 75 80 degrees are hitting three wood they're like, not even hitting driver because driver goes too far. We, you know, Thomas Peters missed the green 40 yards over the green. You know, guys like Adam Scott missed it so far left and, you know, had a really hard time making part. That's why it's such a great hole. Even, you know, we saw last year in the playoff at the Genesis Invitational. Max Holma is totally stymied by a tree and a pin's in the front, of course, and, you know, has to get up and down from a, a pretty. Tough spot to try to win a golf tournament, and you know we did just that and held on to win on um, the next playoff hole. So I, I think this is just a, a great risk reward hole, uh, one of one of if not the best on the PGA Tour. Um, some other holes come to mind. I mean, you mentioned 17th TPC Scottsdale, Simil- very similar as well. There's just water on the left side at the 17th at TPC Scottsdale. That green as well, especially the back uh, that back pin. Uh, at, at 17 at the stadium, course, can really cause some issues. We've seen people in the past chip it into the water there at times. Uh, other holes, you think of the third hole at Augusta, probably not drivable most of the time. I mean, the uh, Bryson DeChambeau tried to drive it a few times at the 2020 Masters in November, ended up hitting a shot into an embedded lie, couldn't find his golf ball. Uh, I'm curious, though, as well, lastly, the 14th at Quail Hollow. Where in the 2017 PGA Championship, Graham Dillette almost made a hole-in-one there when he was barely hanging on for dear mm-hmm. life because he was battling some back issues that weekend. His ball hit the pin on that hole. There's water way left uh, when they move up that, uh, that tee, you know, 50 yards or so. That makes it more drivable. generally plays around 350 yards. But in terms of short par 4s in the PGA Tour that are drivable, Riviera still, to me, is the best of the best.
1: All right, I want to take this uh, quickly in a different direction uh, before we go to break because I think there's something else here in this hole that maybe we're not talking about enough. And I am not suggesting for a second that we should be just keeping our eye off the ball and saying, oh, let's just uh, let, let the professional golfers go find another 15, 20 yards, 30 yards. I'm not suggesting that. But I'm not a fan of putting horses back in the barn, right? I was never a fan of that with the belly putter. Oh, we made a mistake for the last 30 years, put it back in the barn, right? Oh, we made a mistake, square grooves, put the, I mean, that's what a lot of times what our governing bodies do, and now they're talking about that with distance. I am okay with limitations and guidelines like they did with the face of drivers a few years ago, right? So I am fine saying, guys, we need to keep the ceiling here and we need to just kind of play around this level because the game can't handle another huge ball like it's seen in the last 20 years of distance. That that you can you can buy me into and you can also buy me into bifurcation as well. Where you can tell me right now, if Joe blows at 150 yards and thinks he hits at 220, that he needs it, I'm fine with that. I really don't care. It's a different sport, and then you can choose to play which sport you want to participate in. That's what helps us grow the game. I really don't care. I don't need to watch a weekend hacker pretend that he can play the same game as Justin Thomas. It doesn't work that way. If they choose to, fine, but it doesn't have to be that way. So I've always said there's a setup issue. In the game of golf not a distance issue a setup issue we got to be smarter with rough smarter with angles all those types of things and we can week out more often than not it's bomb and gouge and that's the problem Bob does this tenth hole at Riviera prove I'm right it like it this is this is about setup they gave a hole to this entire field that they can get to. There's not a single guy in this field that can't get to that green. Some of them with three, most of them with three woods, some with driver, and some might even hybrid for all we know. But you make a PGA Tour player think, you make him make choices, you give him angles and setups that he's not comfortable with, that he doesn't see week in, week out, and they look pretty normal. I think this whole backs a lot of that argument.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot to that, and I think even if the guys can get to the hole, which, as you say, point out, pretty much everyone in the field can, uh, since Jim Furyk's not playing on this tour anymore. <laughs> but I think, I, I think, I think there's still a lot of uh, question marks about what you do, where do you go, how do you, uh, how do you prepare for a miss? Uh, do you want to be long? Do you want to be short? If you're not going to be on the green, because I always find too that this green. And I don't know, maybe it's something I'm just, my my memory is not as good, but it seems to me like some of the roll-offs now are a little more prominent. Um, you know, when a ball gets to within two or three feet of the edge of the green, it seems to, especially on that back left side, it seems to just run right off it. it seems to fall off. So I think you're right. You can set a golf course up, and it doesn't have to be an 8,000-yard golf course. You can set it up um, without crazy long rough by mixing the angles in by the the... Width of the rough, perhaps, as, mo- as, as more so than the depth of the rough. There are lots of ways to do it and, and protect par, um, and this hole is, is evidence to that.
1: Yeah, I think it's bang on. I think you're bang on, too. Like, like I said off the top, I mean, the, the edges have gotten so sharp, to your point, that the actual square footage of the green, although has not physically shrunk, where a ball will be received, in actuality, has shrunk. Adam, am I on to something here, and... Can anyone within the next 24 months in the Saudi Golf League still reach the green? <laughs>
3: TBD on that, but you no, know, I I go to a comment that we've spoken of many times in this show, Mark, and that's the 2013 U.S. Open at Marion. You know that that's less than seven thousand yards. That's all set up, and if you set the golf courses up the right way, we're not going to see scores of you know 25 under, 30 under par. And even this week at Riviera, many of the guys commented that a the greens were the best they'd ever seen at Riv, and b the rough the rough wasn't really up. So if you you know bring the rough up even a little more. 19 under par won this golf tournament if there's rough we've seen you know last year was 12 under the year before it was 11 under as a winning score we'd probably see closer to that 10 under winning score if the rough was up but yeah it's it's all totally up to set uh for the pj tour to you know maybe see some some better results
1: well this is a great segue guys because on the other side our friends at taylormade have come up with a way to find those incremental gains and those tiny lines of performance working within new driver rules that came in about a decade ago, where we go, how do we give every player in the game, including the average player, the 20-round-a-year person, the five-round-a-year person, and the world's best, just a couple more miles per hour working within the new driver rules. And it's a conversation that when we're not on the air... You'll hear a lot of people talk about, oh, they can't make drivers better anymore. They got COR limits now, blah, 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 blah. Oh, they've already figured out a way to reduce spend. So there's no other ways to gain miles per hour that's impossible, blah, blah, blah. Wrong. Carbon. The carbon age is here. They've been playing with it for 20 years behind the scenes. And our friends at TaylorMade have mastered it and figured it out now to the point where it's worth bringing it to you. On the other side, Tomo Bystead, the man behind the scenes at TaylorMade, going to walk us through the new stealth driver that you've probably seen on TV over the past couple of weeks. This is Golf Talk Canada.
0: This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay and play.
1: Welcome back, Golf Talk Canada. Last week, we ran part one of my interview with Tomo Bisset on the new Stealth Driver, and part one focused on the just the lineage of how we got here. You know, this carbon technology has been in the works behind the scenes for, oh, a good 20 years now. But now, why now? You know, how did it get here? So, part two of this interview is more a dialed in, focused look on the actual product itself and what it offers and why it will be the hottest driver in 2022. Let's hear from Tomo Bystead. All right, Tomo, we, we, you know, we chatted about the great story and how long this has been in development. And now let's take a look at, Mm -hmm. at the new stealth driver. Uh, First of all, the color combo, it's gorgeous. I love the blackout. I think the red face is is a lovely accent. But let's start with the, I guess the most, uh, the model, the stealth plus the one that you can personalize the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, Walk us through some of the new points of this as well as a lot of uh, TaylorMade fans are going to notice a lot of technology that's stayed with the product, made it so successful the last five, six, seven years.
5: Yeah, so obviously the big story is the face, right? And, and you know, the 60 layer carbon fiber face is, is, you know, the breakthrough that, you know, is going to deliver that massive difference performance that we've seen in the past. And so uh, behind this kind of red design, a lot has gone into the engineering of it. We talked about the 20 year journey of getting to this point, but ultimately what it's going to offer you is, is better energy transfer and impact and really delivering ball speed gains uh, that uh, that the carbon face promises and I think uh, around that uh, face design we're also going to see obviously a bigger face and so one of the things that we wanted to deliver with the carbon was now that we can make the face lighter we use that lighter weight to be able to make the face larger and again, giving you a bigger sweet spot. Think about tennis rackets going from small to big. It's a big help for a lot of golfers to have that bigger face to hit at. So certainly from a depth point of view, it's a bit deeper face. And so um, we know that miss hits are gonna be really good on this driver because of the larger face. But looking beyond that, like you said, there's a lot of sort of tried and tested technologies here. Now they require a little bit of re-engineering because of the fact that, hey, now we have a carbon face and it does change the dynamics of the head quite a bit. But there are obviously some obvious things that, that I've carried over from previous generations. Certainly the sim shaping is one of them so we talked about with sam the shape and motion technology of that high crown and having that that sort of inertia generator feature that helps you again get good head speed but also really good moi and we want to make sure that again the forgiveness aspect of having this weight back and low is really important Uh, creating fast head speed is obviously important as well now looking beyond that the sliding weight track is back a lot of people like that in the original Sim. With Sim 2, obviously, with the carbon sole, that wasn't something we could do because we had to machine the back of the face. Now it's back because we have carbon faces. We're able to even extend this track a bit longer than it was to, again, give the golfer that draw to fade bias adjustability. Uh, we also have the speed pockets, a through-slot speed pocket. Great for those low-face misses, still getting good ball speed, lowers the spin a little bit on those low-face misses, as well as the loft sleeve system. Is that a two-degree loft sleeve? That's a two-degree loft sleeve. Again, it gives you a l- huge range of adjustability. So, for example, for this 10-5 10.5 here, you're gonna go all the way from an 8.5 all the way to a 12.5 loft, which is which is huge obviously for dialing in exactly the trajectory you need to hit it at. The other thing too, which is actually new on this club is the way that we swing weight these clubs. So all the new drivers will have this new TSS, it's called Tailor-Made Swing Weighting System. Uh, and this is a way f- where we build a club in custom, for example, if you want an underlying club with a uh, different shaft, different grip, we can actually swing weight it appropriately using this weight at the back. So, so to more to,
1: personalization to, with getting more speed.
5: Exactly, and, and really getting a club that feels good in your hand. So just because you went under length or over length, you're not going to get a high or low swing weight that doesn't quite match up. So really important part of getting, getting the whole package right. And so, yeah, that's really kind of all the technologies that we've packed in this club. Carbon Crown stays in here too. And obviously that's a big part of creating that low CG in the club as well.
1: Okay, so that's the, this is personalization. You've got all the bells and whistles here. You're not giving up anything with this golf club. But if you're just strictly, hey, I want it as forgiving as possible. I want it as easy to mm-hmm. hit as possible. You can move up from there and yes. to a different Stealth model.
5: So we've got two other Stealth models, and the first one I'm going to show you here. The other one is just a Stealth Core model. It's just it's a Skull Stealth. And this is really called stealth because it's going to fit the widest range of, of golfers. You're going to see these in play on tour. Uh, I'm sure we're going to have a handful of tour guys playing this model. It's a bit more forgiving. It spins a little bit more than the Plus. Uh, but what we've really done is we've taken the weight out of where the track would be in the Plus model and put all the weight in the back here. So we have a lot of weight concentration here. The total mass in the back of the club is about 30 grams, all included here with the weight and the structure of the metal. Um, but it's going to feature all the same other technologies. So you're going to still see, the, obviously, the same uh, carbon. In twist face, you're going to see the same sim shaping. You're going to have speed pocket, FCT, and the swing weighting system in here as well. But again, really offering a lot of forgiveness for the player who, again, values that more so than maybe getting lower spin and adjustability in the plus.
1: Like give up just a hair of personalization mm-hmm. to get a little bit more forgiveness if you're that person who, you know, falls into a large lane, as you said, in terms yeah. of the custom fitting uh, world. And mm-hmm. most players are probably going to fit into that just nicely. And there's one more, one level more club we can go here,
5: yeah. which is the HD. Model. With the HD. Yeah, so we've kind of retooled the HD to really be um, both a forgiveness club and also something that offers more draw bias with a high launch. So the HD simply stands for high draw, which is a, a golf shot that I think a lot of people w- aspire to hit. You know, So if you can't hit it, naturally this club will help you get closer to that and so what we've done is we've, we've moved the CG around we've actually added a little bit of, you know a, a, a little bit of loft uh, we've positioned the weight a little bit more in the heel so we, this entire inertia generator feature has been shifted down to the heel still offering great arrow but we're able to maintain this back weight with a bit more heelward CG so again promoting that sort of 10 to 20 yards of draw bias for the golfer with a bit higher launch and this model also comes in a women's cosmetic as well it's just gonna be called stealth women's but in that kind of gray finish uh, which is you know, a little bit different from this kind of all black look that we have with the men's
1: model. And we should put this into some perspective for our viewers. You said 10 to 20 yards of draw bias. Mm-hmm. So, for those uh, of our, our viewers that hit a 30 yard slice, mm-hmm. it's a 10 yard fade now, 15 yard fade. Correct. That's a big difference on, on a golf course.
5: Absolutely. And I think, you know, again, a lot of guys aren't going to suddenly hit draws with this. Yeah. But if you have a slice tendency, it will just lessen that quite significantly. And I think a lot of people that we've seen, certainly in a fitting scenario, you'd see a surprising number of people fit into this club for sure.
1: Tomo, amazing story again. I love the story this year. The product looks amazing. And this is going to be a huge hit. I can't wait to get in the bag. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, Bob, I saw you on social media getting dialed in. Up at uh, HQ. So what what you get dialed in on? What what model and what did you learn? Because you and I always say we learn something when we do this, right?
2: We do. And uh, I actually I actually um, didn't get fit for my driver this time. I'm still Whoa, waiting okay. on that one. I got fit okay. for the irons. And something that we uh, we can talk about as well is that the stealth is not just the driver of the woods. There's stealth irons. And I was going back and forth between the 790 and the self I- stealth irons. Um, and they're, I mean, they're game improvement irons. I'm an old guy. I don't hit it high enough. I don't get enough spin on it, but this really helped. And I was getting crazy distances, uh, increases like eight to 10 yards on some irons, which were ridiculous just by, uh, Jared deal, my fitter who, um, magically put the right shaft and everything together. And I'm going to go back up and get, get the driver fitting done, uh, in a couple of weeks. So it's, uh, I hit, I did like you two guys. I hit, hit it down when we were down when doing those interviews and um, it is, I don't know, it's, it's significant, the changes. That's all I can say. I know every year all the equipment companies come out and say, it's bigger, it's better, it's higher, it's longer, it's stronger. But every once in a while, there's one that comes out and you go, yeah, this really is a change. This really is an improvement. And you can, I think everybody who takes a, a test ride with this golf club will find that.
1: Adam, your numbers were ridiculous on this thing. Like they, yeah. they were la we were I I was laughing as we were shooting it.
3: Yeah, you know what? It, it was so much fun doing that exercise comparing last year's model to, to the stealth. And we're going to be actually be airing some of those results on our tailor made product special this week. And then co- coming up in a couple of weeks uh, on TV, we'll actually show the full segment where Mark, you were with Tomo going through your numbers, uh, looking back to last year's model and the stealth, uh, me doing the same thing. We'll, we'll play that on upcoming shows for sure. But I've never seen 348 yards on a track man before. And I'm looking forward to uh, maybe, uh, maybe hitting a, little, a few more fairways this year uh, as well. But that, that stealth well, model is an unbelievable uh, driver. You know, driver.
1: that's a good point, Adam, because uh, I'm going out today for the first time ever with my stealth, with my own Ooh. shaft in it. And I took it on the driving range the other day before I went to the studio, but I'm actually going to play golf with it today. And I really noticed how much easier it is to fade versus the original sim because i was always a uh, a track bar guy i like putting it in the toe to get that fade going that's why i was always very hard to, to get out of sim one into sim two because i need that fade bias and this thing on the range was so much easier to fade by just having a little bit extra length in that sliding bar i put it full fade with my shaft and i went And I have yet to hit this golf club when I'm actually in golf condition. Uh, As you guys know, I don't live in the gym like you do, Scully. So, I mean, when we went in December to hit golf balls, I was, uh, I was swinging at old man pace, which is what I'm swinging at now, old man pace. So I won't really know what my numbers are until we get into like May and June, but I'm curious because of Bob's point to the added benefits. If because I'm curious if I'll notice a distance difference. If put it this way, if I go out there today and I hit it and I figure, oh, that you know I'm hitting it pretty good. That's kind of where I would normally hit it. Then I know I'm hitting it longer because I'm bringing that old man speed today. And if it's not significantly shorter, then I can't wait for June, boys. So uh, we'll <laughs> report next week on what happened. Okay. Right. On the other side, three dub winners, weird, and what this is golf talk in.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live.
1: Welcome back. Golf Talk Canada, Zucchino, Weeks, Scully, the gang is all here. We are back to TV Wednesday. We are in full flight. And if we are in full flight, that means a full edition of Winners Weird and What. And Scully, this week, the tea is yours, sir.
3: Yeah, well, I I had the coffee. i got to activate the calves, and i got to step on one here. Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today.
0: Hit bombs and attack the pin.
3: All right, gents. This week, my winner is Steve Williams. And you might think, how on earth is Steve Williams your winner? What has he been doing in the world of golf? Well, Steve Williams has actually released a new podcast in partnership with uh, journalist Evan Priest, and it's called Chasing Majors. And this is an inside look. At the thirteen majors, Steve Williams won caddying for Tiger Woods. I listened to the first episode over the weekend i'd highly recommend to listen sort of an inside baseball i guess look at at Tiger Wood's career with Steve Williams. One thing that I, I found particularly interesting in and, and the something that Steve said about Tiger is that he was a unbelievable player in bad conditions when he had to put a rain suit on when he had to you know have many more layers on and he was talking about how much harder that is as a caddy but i never really thought of tiger and good rain player uh in, in the same mix uh, bob did you ever have you heard this uh, podcast yet i haven't
2: i know evan uh he spent some time living in toronto actually and uh i'm anxious to uh to get get around it because I know how good he is and if he asks and he always will ask the right questions of Steve Williams it's got to be very good so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that one
3: yeah absolutely and, and maybe it's something down the road we can uh, investigate having Steve on uh, on with us to discuss um, some of those major uh, victories okay my weird this week We've spoken for years about John Rom and how sometimes John Rom's temper gets in the way and sometimes that results in some poor play. Well, on Friday at the Genesis Invitational, Rom made about a four footer and then had probably the loudest F bomb I have ever heard <laughs> on, on a broadcast. And we've seen for the past couple of weeks, John Rom's been a little agitated. He was telling a camera guy off, basically, uh, getting into it with some fans um there, there was an uh, a, an on-air hold on commentator adam. hold was... on
1: adam there's something very simple here welcome to parenthood john welcome to parenthood <laughs>
3: but <laughs> no i i wouldn't know anything about that but it's for for, for john rom i mean maybe try to pump the brakes a little bit try to relax a little bit this guy's the best player in the world almost lost that this past weekend but we're seeing that temper a little more for rombo mark might be time to try to Calm down a little, Rombo. Take a deep well, breath. Well, like every now
1: and yeah, we always say, guys, you, you know, you got to dance with who brought you to the ball. If you're a fast talker and a fast walker, don't try to be Fred Couples. But there's a line to everything, so hopefully uh, John can uh, rail it, uh, uh, pull it back in a bit and settle down.
3: Okay, and my what this week, Tiger Woods at his press conference on Wednesday. Now, we were all anticipating an update of when we might see him again. And generally during Tiger Woods press conferences, you don't maybe really learn that much, especially about things from years past. But Tiger filled us in on a little detail from his first ever tee shot back in 1992 at Riviera that I, I hadn't noticed, I don't know if any people had, had noticed, and, and that's the, the credential everyone gets, whether you're a media member or a player or a caddy or anyone involved with the tournament. Tiger actually had his lanyard or credential in his left pocket as he was hitting his first ever tee shot on the PGA Tour. You think, how on earth is this possible? And he was describing that he wanted to make sure security would let him in to go hit that tee shot. Bob, had you ever noticed this before?
2: <laughs> no, I've never seen I can't say I've seen that before uh the lanyards are pretty big these days too so i can imagine that uh it was it's a good thing he didn't throw them off as he came through
3: yeah certainly uh, an in- interesting little tidbit there from tiger woods and hopefully we see tiger woods playing on the pga tour at some point in the near future okay that's it for me mark the tea is now yours
0: i'll answer the question you want answers i think i'm entitled you to- want answers
4: i want the truth
0: you can't handle the truth
1: All right, guys, my winner this week was going to be the 10th hole at Riviera, but I know we already like, you know, poured over that in an entire segment. So I'm just going with Riv. I mean, Riviera is just such a unique place in the world of golf. I mean, nothing looks like Riv with the the, the sycamore trees and the the Barranca and and all the different colors and, and definitions and the extreme lines. And There's no trickery. It's in front of you. They don't grow eight inches or rough, and yet every year it stands up to the modern day game. It is brilliant. Uh, ben Hogan, I'm sure, is looking down going, yep, that's exactly how that golf course is supposed to play. Firm, dry, and fast. We need more of that in the game of golf. Love, Riv. Okay, my weird. I don't know if you guys saw this. So. It's a visual weird. So I need our audience. If you're listening to Golf Talk Canada and you haven't seen this, go on Twitter, go on Instagram, just go to where the PGA Tour handle is because the PGA Tour tweeted this out. Did you guys see Colin Morikawa almost walk <laughs> directly in front of Justin Thomas's tee shot? Like, you take one in front of the 10th tee, it slides out for Morikawa. Like, Bob, have you ever seen a guy cut in front like that? Like, it's not, by the way, this was day four. It's not like he doesn't know that that T-Dex there.
2: Well, it goes back to your earlier point. When he walked out, he said afterwards, he said, I thought he was going to be going for the green. Then he saw the column Morikawa, saw the guys on the putting green, and figured, oh, well, nobody's laying up. <laughs> but JT was, <laughs> but he almost got a mouthful for, uh, Callum Morikawa did, almost got a mouthful
3: of balada in there. Adam, you, <laughs> better, uh,
1: you better hope that's not a stinger iron. Hey, Skulls?
3: Yeah, if he was hitting a hellacious seed down there, that would have been lights out.
1: <laughs> <poem like> that. <laughs> All right, and my what this week, guys, and this is for Bob and I, what another win for Bernard Langer, another oldie gets it done. He breaks his own record. He was already the oldest winner ever on the Champions Tour, he breaks his own record, and this is a significant victory on the Champions Tour. Why is it a significant victory? Well, we're in the start of a brand new season, and he is only two wins behind the all-time record of Hale Irwin. So Bernard Langer inching ever so close to becoming the greatest PGA Tour Champions player of all time. And one could argue, one could argue that he is already there because Bernard Longer is doing it in a competitive environment on the Champions Tour against the likes of Jim Furyk, Steve Stricker when Steve's healthy, Phil Mickelson, etc. This is a very different Champions Tour than the one Hale Irwin played against. It used to be you turn 50 for two years, you got an ATM machine, and then the next crop of 50-somethings would do it. This isn't the case. This is Bernard Longer, well into his 60s now, beating some of the best players in the game of golf. He might already have that title. Okay, Bob, the tea is yours. So so what do I do, just aim for the pond?
5: No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water.
1: But you hit it into the water.
5: I know I
4: hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! <laughs> Look, it went further than your ball!
2: Mark, one thing you forgot about Bernard Longer, you forgot to mention his age. He's 93. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) My winner this week is an unusual one. In fact, my first two, uh, my winner and my weird, are kind of connected to the Super Bowl. And my winner is the Highland Park High School in Dallas, Texas. Do you guys know why this would be a famous high school? It became, last Sunday, became the first high school to have in its alumni a PGA Tour winner and a Super Bowl winning quarterback on the same day, Scotty Scheffler, Matt Stafford, both went to the school in at the same place. So it was an uh, interesting connection there. I thought that was kind of weird, but apparently they celebrated and had a little uh, had a little. Um I don't know what you call it, pep rally or something for the yeah. two of them the next day. And uh, good for them. Good for the Highland Park. That's If you want your kid to be a good golfer or a good quarterback, I guess that's where you send them. I don't know. Have you ever heard of anything even close to that, Adam? I've, like I've heard of players coming up, maybe two golfers in the same school, but not two different sports like that.
3: That's, that, that's a pretty cool coincidence to think a guy winning his first career pga tournament and a player winning his first ever super bowl title both from the same high school i've never heard of that personally but that's a really neat story
2: yeah sort of a, kind of a cool one. now here's an inter- another interesting one and this is a uh, kind of a loose connection here but jaha lee used to play on the lpga tour you may not have known her but she was kind of a journey woman or journey person whatever you want to call them on the lpga tour however She still works in golf. She does some stuff in in golf now. But she was at the Super Bowl game. And she had a seat that was up near the top of the the stands. So it wasn't a great seat. It looked like, from what I could see on her, this is about an Instagram post, by the way. What you can see on it, it looks like it's a long way down. However, we know how expensive Super Bowl seats are. Even the worst seats are ridiculously expensive. She filmed a guy sitting in the row in front of her. As the Super Bowl game was going on, And he was sitting there watching the playoff at the WM Phoenix Open on his phone while the Super Bowl went out of there. And she said, man, this is a dedicated golf fan right here. The guy, whatever it was. Anyway, luckily it didn't uh, go much past the end of the first quarter, I don't think. So I don't know, Mark, how dedicated a fan are you? Are you that dedicated?
1: Well, I was working the radio broadcast, so I was looking at the clock, going, "Come on, I get this thing over with. i got to get out of here, but uh, so I feel that anxiety for sure.
2: <laughs> well, anyway, my uh, what is uh, what a difference a bad 18th green can make in your standing? Michael Gellerman, who plays on the Corn Ferry Tour, last week got to the 18th hole and had a birdie Putt to win the tournament, the Lacombe. Suncoast Classic. Guess what he did? He four-putted. He went from winning the tournament to a tie for sixth on the final green. Isn't that just heartbreaking? I don't know. Either of you two guys, have you, could you I think of anything more heartbreaking and more sad than this guy? The last the last putt was a bit of... The third putt was a bit of a short one, too, and then he finally tapped it in. But I don't know, Adam. Maybe, I can't think of anything like that. There was a... I.K. Kim, I guess, missed the little... Um, one to win a major one time like a one foot putt one time but boy what a crushing blow that is
3: yeah such a crushing blow you know Lexi Thompson had had a similar miss at at the final LPGA tour event a couple of years ago I also led uh, team Scully in the mother and the parent child tournament to Mm -hmm. a four putt on the uh, on the 18th green last year we uh, we don't speak anymore no I'm kidding Um, but (laughs) certainly certainly a a ranking moment for sure
1: Hey Bob, what about Scott Hoke above the hole on ten, and he's and you could feel feel the anxiety when he reached for it.
2: Oh yeah, or or who was it on the at the British Open? Uh, Doug Sanders. Oh, uh, Doug Sanders. You remember he had it. Same thing. As soon as he hit it, as soon as he hit it, he went after it. Right. Oh, Oh, I mean
1: we've all been there, but a four putt, unreal. Oh, that's why. putting's just a completely different game. I'm getting the eebie-jeebies, guys. I got to play this afternoon. Let's <laughs> let's calm down here, okay? And that's why I don't practice putting because it gives you the eebie-jeebies. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, boys. And by the way, uh, I we had something similar at my high school on the same day in 1990, we had a guy drink 72 Molson X and eat his <laughs> another guy eat his weight in pizza on the same day. I I'm pretty sure that's a record. I went to school in Scarborough. Anyway, <laughs> On the other side, we'll put a bow on it. We'll preview what's coming up with GTC.
0: This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at cadillac.live. Is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management? This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the All New Tour 360-22. Tour 360-22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in.
1: Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zakino Scully Scullion weeks as we put a bow on today's show before we do let's do some leaderboards from the world of golf brought to you by Bushnell the number one rangefinder in all of golf visit bushnell.com for all your rangefinder needs also they got that wingman I might get that wingman out today play a little tunes on the golf course it's just a fun one Got the family with me for a couple days, you know, University Reading Week, so no one's grinding anything out today. So uh, when we're not grinding it out, I'll allow a little 80s pop or rock once in a while, but of course, nothing older than, uh, say, 95, anything past that, forget (laughs) it,
2: okay? I smell a whole bunch of U2 coming up.
1: There You got it, Bob. Alexander Herman gets it done at Q School. PGA Tour Canada, he wins the stage. Q School East 1, well done. We'll keep our eye on the PGA Tour Canada Q Schools. Uh, schedule announcements, looking forward to a new season of PGA Tour Canada. Bernard Langer, three-shot win over uh, Tim Petrovic, Retief Goosen, Brian Gay, Miguel and L Jimenez rounding out the top five. Historic victory on the Champions Tour. Team Adidas with a massive win. Over, uh, uh with a, a massive win with uh, Joaquin Neiman. That's a two-shot win over Colin Morikawa, Cameron Young, Adam Scott, and Victor Hovland, who's leading that race to Dubai early in its schedule over on the European Tour, uh, bounces back with a nice, nice, uh, 64-65 Friday, Saturday. Well done, uh, to Victor Hovland. And what do we got coming up today uh, or this week, boys? Bob, I saw you doing some curling with Lindsay Hamilton, and we haven't had a chance to speak in a while because we've been uh, passing ships in the night. But uh, that looked like fun.
2: Yeah, we did a little bit of curling day in Canada. We did a broadcast celebrating all that's great. We had some people curling outdoor on a river in Saskatchewan and all sorts of great stories about that. And then, of course, we went right into Olympic curling, which just Olympics wrapped up. Canada not so great on the medal podium. We got a bronze in the men's team, but other than that we were shut out but uh yeah this week it's uh, full bore into golf with um, honda classic coming up some uh, it's not not a great field right i think the week there's nobody in the top 10 i think five guys in the top 25 this is one of those tournaments that's sort of been uh hit a little bit by the reshuffling of of calendars and schedules and things so it's tough to, to tough to play every week out there i think there's there's five canadians in the field though this week
1: you know, it's it's a benefit for Team Canada for sure. But, I, you know, to your point, Bob, if we had another hour at GTC, uh, m- my first email would have been to you guys. Hey, Hey, for segment nine, what do you think we talk about the schedule, winners and losers, and highlight the Honda? Because to me, Adam, I mean, like it's leaping out of the page. We're coming out of a huge event, an invitational with Tiger's name now attached to it. And we're heading into the Florida swing where we're going to go. You know, Bay Hill Players Championship, where Bob and I are going to finally get to be on the ground together to do an edition of Golf Talk Canada, which is going to be awesome. But somebody's going to lose in this, it might be Honda Adam.
3: Yeah, the Honda Classics won. Pebble Beach is another one. Obviously, you know, that's another, you know, for the celebrity aspect. The round's taking five and a half, six hours. That's a big reason for that. But yeah, the Honda Classic, a big uh, loser in the schedule. You know, we saw a couple of years ago when Tiger Woods was making that comeback in 2018, had a good finish. Justin Thomas has won here. Brooks Kepka's done well here. You think 10 years ago, Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods had a duel down the stretch at the Honda Classic. This is a great event. It's too bad uh, that it is where it is in the schedule.
1: Well, if you're uh, looking for Adam this week, you're going to find him Wednesday, 1 o'clock, TSN1, as he hosts our tailor-made product special, and they're going to run that a few times this week. So if you're thinking about new gear this year and you want to know why the carbon age and why now, as well as some great information on irons to Bob's Point, as well as golf ball, wedges, putters, etc., we got it all for you as we kick off our brand-new season, Season 8 of Golf Talk Canada TV, as we are now in Season 12 of Golf Talk Canada Radio. And for Honda Classic coverage, don't forget you follow Bob tsn.ca he'll be all over the honda classic sports center for all the information on uh, regardless of the field we got great team canada strength in numbers and the golf course certainly doesn't get easier at pga national and what might be the three hardest stretch of holes in that bear trap maybe next week guys on golf talk canada we can talk about bear trap numbers and how it stacks up to other hard stretches in the world of golf Mm -hmm. and if you're watching any of the pga tour live coverage uh feature holes, feature groups, main feed. You'll find me working the Honda Classic for PGA Tour live. It is the busiest team in all of golf right here. We never stop. That is the fastest 2 hours in radio guys. I mean like literally we we just rip through the world of golf in 7 hours. We can't say this out loud. I hope uh, Jeff isn't listening right now. But we can literally do a nine-to-five golf talk, Canada. We could, okay? You, right. That would His, just be
2: it, you, that, would, that would just be you clearing your throat, Mark.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bob, right now, right now. Matt Coz, Brian Hayes, all of them, uh, our morning boys, they're all firing emails right now to Jeff McDonald saying, hey, give us one day off a week. <laughs> I let those guys just go nine to five, right? A little deeper. Guys, so great to do this with you guys. I miss you guys. Thanks again. We will see you next week at this time. Don't forget our TV debut for the season, 1 o'clock TSN, this Wednesday. 20 weeks of TaylorMade announcements coming up in the next few weeks, as well as some CanAm Cup uh, announcements as well. So lots going on. Looking forward to a big season. We'll do it again, 10 a.m. to 12 noon next week, TSN Radio. And remember, a first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. Woo!
0: This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in.